Hi, and welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week, we will talk to the great, the good, and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing, and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive. Engage Interactive have been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Hello, how are we doing? So today, back in lockdown and it's mid-late November and we're just trying to figure out if having a few days together at Christmas is going to be worth it and all the news is talking about that. But nice weather, nice sunny day, crisp day down in Brighton, and just got my head down and getting on with work. But I had a bit of an impromptu, unplanned podcast with a guest today, and I'm really glad that we did because we've been chatting a bit about his business, I've been trying to help him out a little bit, but I really thought his story should be told. And also, I think that what he does and what he's got for you actually could really help your business and make your brand boom as I talk about. So it might be something to consider as time goes on to add to your internal comms army. And what I'm talking about is Yapster. Uh, You might have heard of it, but you might not know exactly what it does. And the CEO is Rob Lydiard, and he's the co-founder also. So he'll tell the story in the podcast, but we talk about how he came from being a lawyer into... I guess, a tech genius entrepreneur and being the guy that talks all about it with the co-founder that he's got doing the great tech stuff that makes it all work, how he set up Yapster, uh, some lessons learned, and he's got this new theory all about social leadership, which I think is really bullseye on the dartboard that's really hitting the nail in the head, and I think it will capture a lot of people's imaginations about how they can, I guess, inspire, influence and engage with the millennials and the centennials and the Gen A's as well as they come through on any organisation. So it gives me the most yappy dug, it's a very Scottish phrase, you'll need to look it up, pleasure ever to introduce my next guest and actually a very good friend of mine. It's Rob Lydiard who is CEO and co-founder of the groundbreaking app Yapster. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me, sir. That's all right. That's all right. I'm, I'm feeling uh, very excited. You're the first through the, the special mixing desk, so I'm very excited about that. So hopefully <laughs> it turns out okay. Does it, does it have a setting that it dilutes the sort of remnants of my Essex accent? Yeah, yeah. It'll make you super posh. It'll make you eaten. <laughs> Can you make me Scottish? <laughs> yeah, oh, God. You don't want that. Yeah, two, two <laughs> Scottish people is not, not good for radio, I don't think, unless you're, you're broadcasting north of the border. So I guess this was a bit of an impromptu one, really. We were having a few calls just about some stuff that you're up to really and and it you know just was really really interesting for me and I think that it's going to be really helpful for people out there and, and hospitality businesses out there and, and beyond that of course as well so I just thought it was a really good idea to get you on and talk a bit about the journey you know without being too you know x-factor or whatnot um you know through to to Yapster and starting it and you know when we first met and then getting into, you know, setting up Yapstar and and all that stuff and going through to, to what's happening now. But just before we do that, 
just wanted to touch on very briefly COVID and since March and all the rest of it. We're recording now in November, mid-November. So just, you know, what, is, what have you seen out there with your clients, with your business? You know, how, how's it all been going with you? Well, well um, I mean, what a year. It's been it's been interesting. I mean, you're too, too modest to, to tell your listeners this, but obviously the reason that we were chatting and that's sort of given rise to this opportunity to speak on the record, as it were, is we, we learned a lot about ourselves and life through coronavirus. I guess most people did, but like from a Yapster perspective, in particular, we um, we went from being thinking of ourselves as a messaging system to um, to a vehicle for leadership, and you know to carry brand values, which you know only matter when they sort of really matter, right? Which and you see a lot about people and organisations and brands in in times of adversity, and so that's really been the story of this year. I mean, our business hasn't changed. We still license software to hospitality companies and other large organizations with big frontline front frontline teams to um to be able to communicate with each other through through smartphones via our app that hasn't changed but the type of messages that have been flowing through for the employees and the leaders of the businesses we work for have obviously shifted um to a pretty extraordinary degree like crisis comms in in some cases and you know holding things together responding to um the government's sort of ever shorter um warnings of changes coming and so yeah i mean in that sense it's been sort of good for the business dare i say in terms of the sort of the meaning of what we do being elevated and use of the platform going up on the other hand it's been horrific as it has for everyone seeing you know all of your customers and the community you care about sort of reeling um so lots of lots to unpack there i guess yeah and then what about you then so you know let's turn the conversation to you in terms of you know, pre-Yapster, um, you know, because you didn't start out life in hospitality or, or tech or anything like that, I don't think. So it'd be good to understand the story there and then how you came through to what you're doing now. Yeah, so I had uh, an, an unorthodox path into the sector. I um, I was actually a lawyer to begin with, would you would you believe? Um, I, I practiced for a firm called Evershed. So I was there. I in London, I fell in Shanghai, um, left a number of years ago now. But but I was a private equity lawyer and, and a lot of the listeners or some of the listeners at least will know that private equity is, of course, backed a lot of um, hospitality sector businesses for better, for worse in the past. And in my firm, I saw loads of entrepreneurial people coming through the firm, financing their businesses, growing their businesses, and they all seem to be having more fun than me. So uh, in, in 2009, actually, a last or major crisis, economic crisis, um, I left to um, to try and do something I found more rewarding, like in trending towards being self-employed and entrepreneurship. And long story short, I drifted into legal software, which is only marginally less boring than being a lawyer, I have to say. Um, and five years ago, I was working with um, with a major retailer, Marks & Spencer, in their legal department, and uh, we were looking at boring legal stuff and during the course of that i i learned that they had eighty-five thousand employees at the time but only 15 one five thousand company email addresses and as an outsider and you often see this innovation often comes from outsiders because outsiders bring a new perspective a sort of blissful ignorance um i i couldn't believe you could run a business that big not being able to speak directly to 80 percent of the workforce like that didn't make any sense to me and i i didn't know how you could hold any of the top jobs and deliver a business plan without being able to communicate it 
and uh, and that started sort of me down a, a rabbit hole of trying to understand how people in in frontline organisations, hospitality being the biggest and most important, certainly now communicate and operate and and i discovered that actually more often than not they either don't or they use posters or increasingly they use um consumer technologies that, that work to some extent for the purpose but throw up some some challenges and i thought you know this feels like an opportunity to um to do something that's going to make a difference for people and maybe grow and and, and satisfy my entrepreneurial itch to build something and, and it's against that backdrop that of course like you know the we started that's the reason that we started a business that sort of transformed beyond recognition over time because it, it, it wasn't a you know it wasn't a sort of mba whiteboarded idea it was an opportunity that was sort of presented to me accidentally during the course of doing something else but when you think about that i mean there's a whole bunch of things run through my mind not least being scared about the amount of money you're going to have to throw into something like this to to sort of make it work when there's so many other bigger 800 pound gorillas that tomorrow could you know probably you know get a team on it and you know have something similar out in market you know reasonably quickly and also I guess the competition was quite fierce in the sense that pe people were fudging it slightly you know so they maybe had we, we certainly had it at Yosushi for example we'd have a Facebook group page that was sort of locked but it, it isn't good enough you know it doesn't go the, the whole hog but when you were looking to sort of plan that out, I mean, did that sort of, the barriers to entry not put you off or did that just sort of spur you on? We're lucky this is sort of radio podcast because I am as stupid as I look. I um, I, I, I did not know at just how high the barriers to, to entry now sort of are um, in terms of cost of building something usable. Like in the last 10 years, the quality hurdle to get a product into market and then people actually use it has gone up exponentially because of course everybody now no matter how young you are is used to using the world's best consumer technologies like multi-billion dollar businesses with hundreds of engineers and so that now that sets the the quality bar that you're willing to that you, that you have to meet in order to get user acceptance and that's something that all all sort of tech entrepreneurs now struggle with i am um, I just didn't know that. I didn't realise, like, just because I knew that it could technically be built based on uh, my co-founder's sort of brilliant, you know, your classic sort of Cambridge computer science man can build anything you can imagine. Um, I obviously do the talking side of the partnership, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> like, just because he could sort of build it technologically, I just hadn't fully understood the, the burden of um, maintaining a tech, the, the complexity of that technology over time and evolving it to keep up with user expectations. And We've ended up investing, you know, millions and millions of pounds of investor and customer capital to get to where we are and 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 be accepted by users and endorsed by customers and partners. But had I realized the time and the capital it would have required, I probably wouldn't have had the courage to to start. And they do say that a lot of really smart people like um don't start businesses because they're so smart they can see all the all the problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well I, I guess yeah, it's the 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 sort of Naivety is a, a good thing, you know, going in, ignorance is bliss and all that kind of thing. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Hey, it's Lucy here from Toggle, the newest member of the team. This time of year is all about gifting, and after a challenging year, Toggle wants to support the gift of hospitality. There are all sorts of opportunities available on the platform, from your standard digital and physical gift cards, to Gusto Italian's Taste of Italy experience, or Revolution's Christmas gift set, 
or even the brilliant pay it forward feature. And it can be made so much easier this year with the first £1,000 of sales completely on us. Just visit usetoggle.com and learn more. But when you think about starting it up then, how many people has it grown to? You know, is it still the two of you? Has it grown up to a bigger team? You know, what what's going on? Yeah, so so we're I mean we're smaller now in people terms than we than we were six months ago. As so many of us that, that are in the sector, either operator side or supply chain, um, there's about twelve of us in the business now. Um, majority employed, but not not all. Um, all the engineers are, are employed, and then the the, the co-founder team um, and various sort of functions, then supported by. Um, what we call them extended yaps the family dealing with some of the sort of the the non-product functions so we're a decent sized team relative to the market i mean the cool thing about hospitality is that you know it is quite an inclusive community and relationships are really important because they're in the relations you know generally in the relationships business or service business to the customer side so that tends to flow through the supply chain so you find that hospitality executives and entrepreneurs tend to like to know the people that are in their supply chain so that they can call call them up and tell them in no uncertain terms when uh, they expect the level of attention to be higher and so on and so what that means it means quite a lot of um, founder-led supply chain businesses and technology businesses proliferate and so i would say probably 10 to 50 people is about about average um we think that we'll end up sort of growing beyond that but the challenge of course for us is to, to just make sure that we then don't lose the the personal connection to the customers and the users and then from a user perspective we've got about 80 85 000 users i guess across the across the industry and then just talk us through you know what you see about yapster so what's the sort of elevator pitch you know if you're explaining it to someone what is it and and why do people sit and need it in their lives because i mean i wish that it was around when i was at yo and, and pret and things like that but unfortunately it wasn't but um yeah i mean how, how would you explain it to people well you you would wish because you naturally speak the language of sort of brand brand leadership and people leadership as i said at the beginning it's taken me a while to to get to that but so the way we describe it is we basically say how many people in your organization or in our industry have a company email address and the answer is about 15 percent. okay so most people don't have any formal means of direct communication within an organization so that's the starting point otherwise if you start by saying that we're a mobile messaging platform that doesn't sound very innovative and people yeah. don't realize why they need it the reason they need it is when a mobile messaging platform i.e something that feels familiar but that is targeted at the forgotten majority of the people that work in, in, in the sector. Yeah, so that's what makes it special. In terms of why companies embrace us is because of this, this idea, we call it social leadership. So it's basically um, recognizing that your most inspiring people in large organizations tend to get promoted away from the people that they need to inspire. Like the most incredible thing about the industries that we serve is that you can you can actually have meteoric careers in terms of moving from, you know, pot wash to, to C-suite within a, a number of years. The tragedy of that is if you are amazing locally or on an area basis or on a regional basis, you just persistently yanked away from the people that you were inspiring. And you have to basically just just amplifies those folks it means that they whilst they continue to move up the organizations have a more leveraged influence they actually remain connected to the front line and it sounds like a small thing but it's actually a massive thing because most organizations no matter how into their brand and their values they are deliver the brand and those values through cascade 
and and it, and it works to some extent. Otherwise, of course, all of these organisations that we all know that grew up over the last 20 years wouldn't have been successful. But our view is that it probably isn't going to continue to work quite so well competitively going forward if you're competing against leaders who are leveraging tools like ours to drive their brand and culture uh, through their organisation you know, even more effectively than was possible in the past. I think one of the big things as well is the audience is changing. You know, we were having a bit of a laugh about it last time we spoke, you know, which was when I was a kid, you know, it wasn't yesterday, obviously, but it was a bit, you know, your boss said, get it done. And it's still the same with me today. And I'll say how high and when can I come back down and all that stuff. But with millennials and, and Gen Z and, and things like that, you know, you might, might be slightly different with Gen Z, but certainly with millennials, they'll challenge you and like ask you why you're doing this and and you're <laughs> yeah, a bit like just, you're like just do it will you you know but then you know <laughs> you've got to understand where they're coming from and they just want to understand how that fits into um you know the bigger picture and what their place in that is and how it's going to help them and you know it's all fair enough I mean but it's just you know the way that Gen X I think was brought up was was definitely, you know, around, you know, really kind of fear and hierarchy and, you know, just GFDI and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, it is changing. So people are going to have to change along with that. And if you've got someone that's a little bit more senior in years and, you know, maybe a bit more traditional and, you know, they don't get social and, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, it, it's, it's really difficult to get their eyes open to it but then when you turn the conversation to say well what's your kids doing what are they looking at 24 7 how are they consuming information and but I mean I, I think it's crazy that no one spotted that before now that most people aren't getting the message yeah it is remarkable I mean we um I find it staggering too. I mean, there's a few things, aren't there? I and mean, people forget the iPhone was only invented in 2007. It only, uh, the Android came to market and, you know, it only got to the point where you could buy a decent smartphone for 30, 40 quid, I don't know, three years ago, maybe. So this is, we're, we're, we're in, not even in the, you know, the earliest part of the first innings of this, of this sort of mega trend that we believe in. And so therefore, I, I to forgive leaders for some extent for having not quite realize that the world has changed even though they've talked a lot about the sort of the changes in the behaviors and personalities of younger employees and you know on that front partly driven by the smartphone but not i mean mainly driven by the internet things like netflix like we're just we're living in it's the attention and distraction economy now isn't it and i think what leaders have forgotten is that there's so much more competition for the attention for everyone's attention than there was previously and like if you're doing site visits and people don't really understand your latest menu or your brand or like you're just confused as to why you're spending all this money on hiring and yet every time you do a site visit like the business isn't running in the way that you that it does in your imagination the reason for that usually unless you've hired bad people which most people don't is just because you've got good people who just don't know and like you know that's that'll be because their attention is pulled millions of different ways from what's happening their partner to you know, watching Netflix on the bus to, you know, even shopping now is a sort of entertainment experience, isn't it, online? You know, mm -hmm. these 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 sort of online e-com businesses like all the fast fashion ones, you know, they're, they're almost like watching movies when you're seeing these sort of twirling models and, you know, almost like sort of augmented reality, like this is what you're going to look trying on this garment. Like that's what you're competing against now when you're asking people to, to give you their discretionary effort 
And um, if you check out from that, it's not that surprising that you don't get their attention. And if you don't get their attention, you generally don't get there. <laughs> you don't get very good performance. Sorry for the brief interruption. I'm Alex, and I'm the founder and CEO of Engage Interactive. And we're sponsors of this fantastic supersonic podcast, which I hope you're enjoying, by the way. If you're wondering who Engage are, then let me quickly clear that up for you. We're the results-driven digital agency for ambitious companies. And our unique blend of creative, technical, and performance marketing, coupled with an obsession for delivering quality, is repeatedly proven to increase sales and market share. We simply like to call this attention to digital. So if you're in a bit of a rut with your digital, looking for ways to drive performance from low-risk, innovative solutions to challenges facing your business, then just head over to engageinteractive.co.uk to read about how we've helped numerous global and challenger brands, from Whitbread and Jet2 to Bills and Yorkshire Tea, all succeed online. That's engageinteractive.co.uk. And now back to the podcast. What about clients then? You know, who who's sort of using this? And I remember a while ago, I'm sure you were working with Ann Summers. Was that right? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Lord, Lord, and some of one of our earliest customers. So we, yeah. our customers fit pretty evenly between retail and hospitality, and I know that's very different. Um, the, the sort of structure, the structure is the same. Like multi-site, generally no email, which is why we work, we end up working for both. So yeah, we. Um, I like to joke that we work for Anne Summers to Wagga Mama, and I'm desperately hoping for a customer beginning with Z. Um, so we work for <laughs> Anne Summers, work for Brewdog. We're really proud to work for Brewdog, Is particularly right? the way they've handled, yeah, particularly the way they've handled themselves through this um, pandemic. We work for Cafe Nero, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, in the news at the moment, but I think they're going to come out of this um, stronger, and we're They'll excited be to be working with them. Yeah, uh, and then brands like. Um, uh, Flatiron, I love uh, yeah, and some of the hotel groups like uh, Nobu and Manaview and a few others, and then in the sort of the bigger, the bigger casual dining space, we work for uh, the restaurant group and, and Wagamama. We work for um, retail on the retail side. Next, they're one of our largest largest customers, and the pub side we work for um, the Revere division of Marsdens, which we're proud to do. Um, and then you know, in quick serve, work for. Toss, who we're proud to see like storm out of administration recently. Oh, good. So yeah, so I mean, we're 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 really lucky that um, what made Yapster an appalling business to get into, which is the high technical burden and for user adoption, and the fact that it wasn't obvious what the ROI was on social leadership or messaging platforms, has actually been a blessing because it turns out that that the fact that it's such an inhospitable market segment to occupy means that there's actually not much competition. Um, and because we we purely do communication, leadership, social, it means that we don't compete with anyone else in the in the hospitality tech stack. So that means we can integrate with the best learning platforms. We can integrate with the best people platforms or customer mm-hmm. feedback platforms without getting into this sort of juvenile squabbling over, you know, strategic positioning vis-a-vis the customer, which is what's held back a lot of best of breed integrations in the past. Um, you know, we, we know that we compete against you know, WhatsApp, Facebook, MS Teams to some extent, um, and the and the humble poster. Well, you know, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, Facebook business, one of my old colleagues from, from lastminute.com was over there and she called us up when I was back at Spectacular and said, you know, do you guys want to go on Facebook for business? And you were like, yeah, we'll help her out as well because I think we're a bit of a guinea pig and all that. But I don't know, I just couldn't really get into it. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying anything against it, but I wonder if people have slightly delineated in their head that Facebook's for fun in a lot of ways and, you know, and 
work messaging's me you know, it's almost like years ago, like I worked in music, right? And it was a bit like I guess sort of nipping off with your best friend that then became your girlfriend that became your wife or something, you know, like, <laughs> or, or you break up even worse and you break the friendship. And it, it's a bit like that. I wonder if having everything in one of your favourite platforms, then it sort of doesn't let you have that free space because you know that work's lurking there. And you yeah, know, it might I, be quite I, nice I think to that's separate right. it out, you know? Yeah, I think it's partly that. It's a couple of things. So it's, the first thing is because we we specialize in a very specific use case. So like Facebook Workplace is great. It's used by, you know, Royal Bank of Scotland. Mm. Um, so because we focus very specifically on the, the forgotten majority, so people that never had, quite often never had sort of email and those various sort of corporate desk tools, it means that only certain integrations are relevant to us, which means that we can have like pretty obsessively invest in building good good industry integration so for example feed it back we've just announced this integration we're really proud of where mm -hmm. um when five star reviews are posted to TripAdvisor or google or whatever and it's picked up on by feed it back feed it back automatically by a api creates a a site level chat a yap that that publishes that five-star review and allows the team to see the review and then celebrate each other in their the equivalent of their local sort of whatsapp style group mm. like you probably could do that with the facebook apis but facebook obviously can't you know can't focus that attention all the way across all of the sectors that they might be focused on so it's a real like depth of focus and then you're right from an end colleague perspective it's cleaner in your mind to know that you've got a workplace messaging system and then you've got all of your consumer apps, which are the places that you, you know, engage with your engage with your friends. The interesting thing about engagement, we try not to talk too much about engagement because actually, whilst it's really, really important, the sort of I think businesses have generally recognized the importance of engagement for about a decade now. And um, and we don't want to we don't we don't want to make it too easy for the sort of traditional leaders that you alluded to earlier to say oh, we already looked at engagement and it didn't quite work for us. So we talk very much about leadership and communications rather than engagement. But one of the dirty secrets of engagement that we've discovered in Yapster is that whilst people love to be recognised and like virtual high fives and leaving drinks and stuff is really important, what actually drives engagement as in usage of our platform and business? Um, engagement is uh, is surprising surprisingly is business information mm. so like frontline colleagues even part-time colleagues love hearing updates from people that sit on the board because the decisions that get made there directly impact their lives whether they work eight hours a week or 60 um it, the, the board have a serious impact on your well-being and your happiness and you're generally interested in that it's like the same reason that people watch the news mm. so um it turns out that that flow of information is actually super engaging. And you're right, that's a different type of information to what you might expect to flow through your consumer apps. Yeah. I mean, have you got any sort of client stories or, or case studies that you can share? Just, just because the one I'm thinking about was, and, you know, it's not anything bad, I don't think at all, but when we first were talking about Yapster and how spectacular I could maybe have used it when I was back there and, you know, for our clients and things like that. I do remember like Ann Summers being one of your your um your customers. And it was just interesting to see, you know, the pride that people had on because it was almost like a Facebook wall at that time, where, you know, there was a news feed type thing. 
and they were posting images of very proudly, you know, their Christmas display and all this kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> I, can see, is... I can see you're picking your words very carefully. Yeah, you're right, they, they were. Well, there was, a lot, there was a lot of toys for Christmas, yeah, put it, put it that way. Um, yeah, there's loads of puns. But, you know, but it, but it was it was heartening, right? I mean, the old jokes aside, you know, it was, it was a lovely thing to see because they wanted to show off how good a job they were doing. And they wanted to have friendly competition with other branches. And it was brilliant to see, you know, it really, really made me happy. It was great. Yeah, it was really interesting because it was almost like accidental. Because as I, you know, as I've said, like I've confessed to the fact that I'm a sort of, you know, a escapee lawyer that created this platform opportunistically to begin with, because I realized that you couldn't run these businesses on WhatsApp, that that was a, a you know, it was going to be an a, a sort of HR data protection litigation accident waiting to happen that's not a very inspired reason to start i got inspired by the leadership and engagement stuff by watching organizations like Ant summers or or cafe nero adopt the product early um and that was where i first started picking your brains about brand and, and leadership and you know yeah, when, when can i get that invoice in by the way yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a shareholder now. How does this work? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm just wondering if at the uh, UK Hospitality Christmas lunch or something, you've got me to sign some sort of entity. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure it's yeah. there somewhere. Although, fortunately, if it was there, you'd have been as drunk as me and probably lost it. <laughs> no, I got a tattoo. <laughs> the um i mean so that, like those were the first two chapters the third chapter's really been all about the roi business impact stuff because we didn't go into it understanding what the value would be and therefore it was difficult to monitor the roi but there's some pretty amazing stuff now like i have to say the roi comes from social leadership and yaps is a social leadership platform so it's not like you can get this roi doing other things like, otherwise it just sounds unnecessarily salesy but for example We've got a catering, catering customer, so at the edge of sort of hospitality, food service, that, that's um, employee engagement stats went up 30% after they started practicing social leadership on, on Yapster. And we all know that there's a pretty close association between productivity, profit and engagement. More specifically, 10PIN. Um, oh, yeah. They exited the first lockdown with a 96% employee approval rating for their crisis communications or communications generally, but of course it was a crisis. So that's pretty amazing. But then beyond that, in terms of sort of something to get the FD's ears pricked up, they also attribute a 10% revenue and margin expansion to practicing social leadership. So that comes from that comes from sort of delayering. You actually just don't need as many people in the middle of, of, of the organization if you're going to... Um, promote and this isn't about getting rid of people this is about this is about promoting promoting people so that you have fewer better roles you know you're getting amazing sort of mid-level leaders and then giving them just slightly larger estates because actually using digital tools they can inspire more people you can pay them more and still make a bigger margin mm. so that's been really cool they've attributed that um similarly on the on that theme tossed i mentioned came out of administration um, I don't think they would have wanted to do a big restructuring any more than any of us did, but they attribute a 20% increase in um, uh, operating margins to practicing social leadership because, of course, now there's just no, you know, like all businesses, nobody can carry any um, hidden or explicit costs that aren't driving driving value. And so, you know, now they're using social leadership and they've got their sort of central operational leaders and, and they're going to continue to to have fairly high um, ratios. And then on the sales side, like this is a bit more fun, but uh, Revere, the Division of Marsden's 
they had us integrate their um, EPOS data and 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 create a KPI gamification. So basically, you create these yaps automatically that put two different sites into a chat, and it publishes their um, you know like coffee or dessert sales as a percentage of covers. Mm. And then it's like a, it's like a soccer Saturday scoreboard, and the two sites start teasing each other. And guess what happens? Sales go up, yeah. <laughs> and they went up they went up seven percent. So there yeah, go. there's loads of different there's loads of different ROI that comes off of social leadership i mean and, and connecting people it's, it's the same question as say like you know do you expect when you hire a great manager or a great area manager do you expect them to drive value across engagement you know revenue growth sales growth and, and cost savings and the answer is clearly yes so anything that amplifies great leaders is probably going to drive the same roi from supersonic inc this is the mark mcsee supersonic marketing podcast The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, Talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bars business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors, and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top. And please say that I sent you. And then just the last thing I was going to touch on, you know, you've mentioned social leadership a lot, and I know, you know, that's really what you're going to term this, you know, whole thing, the, the answer, you know, you're the answer for it in, in a way, you know, so what's happening over the next few months for you in Yapstar and, and also in terms of social leadership and taking that story out to people? It's, I mean, it's, it's now that we've discovered what it is just by observing um, great leaders and great teams within our platform. Um, it's about being really honest with ourselves and being honest with the market about the fact that we really only want to work for social leaders, right? Like, I mean, we we love working for people that are clear on what their mission is, what their vision is, what their values, like how they're going to get towards whatever their business plan is. And then are proud to, to stand up figuratively on video usually and tell that story to the people that they work so hard to recruit so that those people can then tell that story to the customers. Um, when we first started the business, like it was possible to license apps to just to cover your ass on GDPR exposure. Yeah. And that um, just doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> so like, so for the next year, it's all about defining the sort of behaviors that we want to see in our platform, the sort of leaders that we want to spend, you know, our days, nights and weekends working for, and then hoping to just find more of them. And like our view is that like most markets, it's going to be two-sided. Like, there are going to be some competitors in the market that, obsessively think about their brands and their values and their strategies and are willing to communicate them to their team. And there are going to be those that 
run the business by spreadsheet and that's okay and there'll be some that, that absolutely smash it with cost leadership and spreadsheet management they just won't be yaps to customers yeah no that's cool okay well a couple of fun questions then to, to to wrap up so um i know it seems like a long time probably since we have been out and about but favorite city to eat in and i'm not going to let you have london because everyone says london <laughs> <laughs> so i am um... I think I mentioned, I've mentioned before, I, I lived in, in Shanghai for just under a year when I was a baby lawyer and uh, absolutely love it there. Uh, quite often didn't know what I was eating in Shanghai, but it was great fun and uh, like proper sort of explosion of flavours and cultures and experience every time you're there. So I've got to say Shanghai. Excellent. And what about favourite restaurant? Ah, oh, see, I, I'm. Um, I heard this story once of one of the, like the the partners that really grew Goldman Sachs before they IPO'd and turned into the sort of vampire squid that destroyed the world. And uh, I think I can't, I think his, can't remember the guy's name, but anyway, he he famously would only consume where by products that uh, that Goldman's IPO'd in their sort of original small partner days. And I I basically love that for 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 the appster. It gives it's a real rush for me when you start working for a new organisation and then. That means I can add that to my sort of to my repertoire. So at the moment, I'm uh, we just started working with Nobu Hotels globally. Um, mm. I'm absolutely loving going to going to Nobu and uh, yeah, enjoying their food. Excellent, that's a great choice. Is is, is Robert De Niro not involved in Nobu? No, he's not. He's he's not. He's not the primary owner of my contract. Unfortunately, that would be good. Fun. But yeah, he's. <laughs> I don't I know if it would. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to disappoint him. I, I don't think, think he'd be so. a bloody good. He'd be a bloody good social leader, though, don't you? Think? <laughs> yeah. Well, again, he'd be ruling, ruling by fear. Um, and uh, and what about favourite dish then? Uh, I got to say, the flat iron ribeye. Yeah, good shout. They're they're a great team. There, they're such a humble Joe, Joe Fleet, brand. Joe Fleet's amazing. Yeah, mm. they're a brilliant team. The founders are amazing. The team are amazing. And yeah, Joe is. A, chosen inspiration we're really proud to work for them yeah no she's great okay so that ticks that off the list then what about favorite pub oh um so i've got a puppy and people tease me for being a child but i've got i've got a puppy called yapster he's a deaf staffordshire bull terrier he's mm -hmm. lovely yeah, and uh we uh, he comes to the office with us he's our office dog and we will regularly uh go into the brew dog on cambridge circus as our sort of second yeah. meeting room so i've got a Got to say, uh, Brewdog Cambridge Circus. That's a good show. I've, I've spent many a, a day in there. Like, I, sometimes, you know, quite often went to see, uh, you know, JB with James in there. Um, but other times, just, you know, if I'd kind of finished up my meetings and, you know, I just went in there for a, an early pint before it got busy. It's a really good one. It used to be Polpo, didn't it? It was uh, Ape and Bird. Yeah, and, and no, Polpo, it's, it's, it? it's, it's really it's really good. They do really well. Yeah, every time the dog walks past there now, he thinks he, he tries to drag me in. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm obviously easily easily led. But no, they're, they're, doing, they're doing great with us. Like, the team there are excellent as well. Yeah, no, they are very, very knowledgeable and welcoming. And then what about favourite drink then? That's got to be a punk IPA. Is it? Okay. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, I mean, and based on based on volume consumed, I think it's punk IPA. I, I've got some some other favourite tipples, uh, but yeah, in in volume terms, that wins by well, miles. <laughs> interestingly, I did. Yeah, there was a birthday drinks for me the other day, and we we did it on Zoom because it was locked down and all that, and a few sort of of his other mates that you know, a few of us didn't know, kind of came along as well, and pretty much to a man, every single one was drinking Brewdog Punk IPA. Really? Yeah. yeah, it's 
it's amazing i um i do i mean we've got some we're really lucky actually we work with some 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 amazing bars as well and i i love i love being sort of walked through a bar by like a competent sort of bartender um but i always find it faintly intimidating like after you've been yeah. out with one of those guys or gals you feel like an absolute lemon afterwards trying to trying to sort of re- repeat their style at the bar it just doesn't sound right no. coming out of my words you no. know where they're being very prescriptive about a drop of this and a twist of that yeah I, I, it's it's always a bit weird like i've got i meet james and he always took me out from a martini you know if we were out and about and what is it one's not one's too many two's not enough or whatever the thing is um but we we went out and you know anywhere he went you know he was i think it's quite doing maybe your education and things like that as well i don't know the way you hold yourself but coming from me like you know sort of working class scotland to say you know i'll have it super dry and i'll have you know the vermouth looking at the glass and you know you just end up getting punched or you know or they'd spit in it or you know something like that and, and i can't imagine saying that up the road you know if you said it north of the border they would glass you i think yeah i mean uh, you probably can get away with that in romford but i never tried <laughs> yeah but it was always good but some tips for gin from him anyway that i've, I've sort of followed were always you know the gin was in the freezer and you know you don't let the vermouth near it too much um and you know you, you you don't sort of pollute it too much in any other way either you know maybe a teeny bit of a lemon or a, a teeny bit of olives stuck in it or whatever but that's about it you know so yeah, i always enjoyed awesome. those always enjoyed those but yeah no that's a that's a that's a good shout but it is hard to follow those they, they just have a knack and i think they can sense it off each other that they're both experts you know whereas you know if, if we turn up a bit yeah you've been watching nigella mate or whatever you know <laughs> but that's but that's the joy of going to one of these great bars right because they mm. can sort of take some of the take some of the intimidation out of uh of finding your way around the bar that's the joy of a great bartender definitely definitely all right well listen i'll love you and leave you and and let you get on with things i know you're super busy and and thanks for taking the time to chat to me today that's been really insightful i think lots of people i'll get lots of you know great thoughts out of this because i think it's a an answer and a product that's that's just really much needed you know genuinely you know no money changing hands or anything like that um you know so from that point of view i i think you know i, I think you're doing a great thing i think it's taking you a, you know a long time to feel comfortable with it but it feels like you've cracked it now and you know you're you're going to go forward and, and smash it you know so i'm i'm excited to see what you do with it thank you mate well, it's been an absolute honor and, and thank you for uh thank you for the advice through the years uh you know you're right it's i feel more comfortable now talking to people about sort of finding their you know their mission and their brand story over the time it's okay if you don't come out of the womb sort mm. of you know speaking like a walking brand book no no definitely definitely all right well stay well i wish you well and we'll catch up soon cheers mate see you again so that was Rob Lydiard of Yapstar, CEO and co-founder. Thanks so much, Rob, for taking the time to talk to me today. It was great to talk to another human. It was very nice to catch up with you and a friendly voice. So wishing you well, mate. Stay well. And I hope everything's good with you and the family over the next few months. So a huge thanks as ever to you for listening. Thanks so much for checking the podcast out and downloading it. Please do, as I say, share it with one friend or colleague if you can, even if they're having trouble at getting to sleep at night. That would be great if we could um, get that out to more and more people. I think we're way over the 40,000 mark now, so really chuffed about that in terms of the downloads 
for the Supersonic podcast. You know, really can't believe it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, huge thanks to Engage, our headline sponsor, for really supporting us all the way through this series. It's been great. It's been a superb partnership. You've done so much for me. And even cool things like the tiles to promote the podcast and the logo and all that stuff. So thank you for doing that, especially Alex and Dom. So thanks, guys, for helping out. Also, a massive thank you to our premium partners, BDO. So if you need anything at all, in terms of mergers, acquisitions, financial advice, etc., do do get in touch with uh, Peter Hemmington, who's the, one of the partners there. So have a little look at BDO and see how they can help you. And the last thanks goes to Gabby and Gaz for all of their help in putting this podcast together. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks for listening. Thanks as ever for sharing too. And I really hope that this episode has given you some food for thought that will really help your brand boom.